Good morning to you, Jack Dickens. Can't tell you're about to go on a holiday, can you? Yeah, Up and well, about. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the holiday. I'll give you the tip. Um, can't <laughs> wait. But, geez, it's good to be alive. We're so lucky to have our loved ones, aren't we? So if you've got a loved one, just give them a hug today, Dicko, because you're, oh, in, you're in fine already form. Lost good. Um, what meeting are you looking forward to most? Is it is it the Mornington card, the Hawkesbury card, the Brisbane card, or the Adelaide card? Well, self-interest governs us all. We have a runner in race two at Hawkesbury, so that's going to be the focus yep. at the start. Um, I think the Mornington meeting's reasonably juicy for a Mornington meeting. I'm excited about watching it. And, um, you know, it might be a sort of sky one day because we need to keep an eye on Adelaide as it heats up yeah. over there as it, the racing gets a little hotter. It, it used to be a red channel day, but now it's a green channel day, Jules Valence. As, as I say, good morning to you. And um, there is plenty to look forward to every 10 or so minutes, you would imagine, today around the country. Yeah, there's a bit on, isn't there? Sort Just of around a little every bit. State. Yeah, it's good to see Adelaide sort of having a, a crack. The Victorian horses going over there. So it'll be interesting to see how they measure up. Uh, I'd expect fairly well, uh, if history tells us anything. But um, look, overall, when you've got meetings like Mornington and Hawkesbury, and probably the narrative that comes out Monday is, you know, turnovers down. And that's just the facts of life. We know that punters probably will look at the race card and go, well, maybe this will be my day off. That's no disrespect to Mornington or Hawkesbury. That's just the way the punters do feel when they're going into these into these meetings. They don't know the track. They don't trust the track as much as a Flemington or a Caulfield, but there'll still be plenty of money turned over. It just will be, you would think, a little bit soft compared to if the meeting was at a Sandown or anything like that. That's just the way the game is. I think that's a really key point that like a sort of a focus point for us this morning would be, these are unique tracks and the, the, the patterns will evolve through the day. I think it'd be favourite right now. The the general public would expect Mornington will favour on pace horses and Hawkesbury will race fairly. Uh, same story, Morfittville. But that's probably not going to be the case, particularly Hawkesbury and Morfittville. And they'll evolve and they'll ev- like the, a pattern will become evident and the, the betting will adjust to that pattern, Jules. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think I think we, in our minds, have Mornington. It's a tight track. It's a unique track that on speed is just a major go-to. The numbers sort of don't suggest that. The numbers suggest it's quite an even track. But what I will say is, is that leaders do have a higher win strike rate than, say, the Australian average. So, you know, there's positives there. But in essence, we always sort of want to, as a default, Dicko always want to be sort of forward of midfield in less something else we see is telling us that it's not going to be. I mean, Flemington probably is the outlier to that. You can sort of win from anywhere on most days. But, um, yeah, so, look, forward of midfield unless it tells us something else. But just don't get sucked too much into uh, Mornington early doors thinking it's going to be this massive highway. It might end up being that. But the numbers suggest it's a little bit more even than I think what the public think. And we'll start with Mornington. I've got a theory here as well. I don't know if the theory works. It's not my theory. It's the theory that some of the punters have in the, in the local pubs. When you're betting at Mornington, Jules, you're back Mornington trainers. Is that a myth? Yeah, we did the numbers on this actually because okay. this, is a, this is a huge narrative that is told. Now, there's no doubt Mornington uh, trainers win plenty of races at Mornington. But the thing is, plenty of Mornington trainers run in the races. <laughs> yes. So... If you have the win strike rate versus, say, the amount of runners in the race, it's actually a little bit less than what they sort of probably should win from a market perspective. But I'm not saying, like, at the end of the day, 
the Mornington trainers might still win five or six races, and they go, yeah, Mornington. But they might have had five or six runners in the race. Yeah. So and then, and then your data set, Jules, can be a bit sort of skewed because you're looking at Mornington numbers. So, like, Jerome Hunter goes about 25%. It's profitable. But the majority of those runners are on a Thursday or on a Sunday or on a Tuesday. Yeah. This is a Saturday Metro meeting, bigger prize money. It's a different scenario to what you can sort of use as a justification to follow that narrative. Yeah, absolutely. I've got no doubt that there's Mornington trainers that go best on their own track. But that happens with a lot of other places as well. I just think it gets further highlighted by the media that Mornington trainers do win plenty of races at Mornington. And I'm 100% agreeing with him that they do. But if you punted every Mornington trained horse at Mornington, the numbers show that you'd actually lose because they just have such a high population of horse running in those races. Don't forget you're a star and winners and giddy up these days, Jules. You are the media as well. Uh, I'll let you say that, mate, but I'll, I removed myself from that a while ago. <laughs> now, um, the, the, the data, though, at Mornington for riders, Jules, I think is pretty relevant. And and one thing that stands out to me is that the, the, the more senior riders den- tend to dominate. So, like, Ollie goes 29%, Mott, 18.5%, Meech, 18%, Nolan, 18%, Willow, 18%. Like, the, the, the more experienced riders seem to handle Mornington better. I totally agree with that. That's that's absolutely true. Just because it is a unique track, so um, that's that's one hundred percent true. So I would agree with that entirely. I'm interested to see that he's a shocker's the favourite at the moment for the Mornington Cup, and we've got a good track, Dicko. Does that concern you with that horse? The, the whole race concerns me because I've um, I'm pretty. Um, automated in the way I, I, I come to a price and then I've got to put a bit of flair on that from that point and the, the, I haven't flared it up completely but it, it really likes he's a shocker and I don't okay. want to trust it from that barrier um, Blake Shin though you could trust it a little bit I guess Jules but I think it'll soften I think it'll start with a four in front of it but I don't have a lot of confidence reading this market Jules yeah no I agree with that decade that I think this horse clearly starts with a four in front of it. It just seems to be, you know, sort of rock bottom at the moment. Um, and I think you're going to get a better price. So what we're sort of saying to go saying is if you like, he's a shocker and you think it's a really good bet, there's just no need to back it right now. You're going to get a better price throughout the day leading up into the race for he's a shocker sort of the other knock I have for he's a shocker. He brings the right form on. I mean, this horse ran third in the McKinnon, I think back in the spring and he, you know, got the Dubai Honor form. The only thing is, is he, is he a genuine 2,400-metre mm. horse? He's, he's, I think, 2,000, his go. And I understand the carrot to try and get into a Caulfield Cup. So there's no reason not to run him. I think run him in this race. But a genuine 2,400 metres, I think we're going to find out whether he's that kind of genuine stayer. This will be uh, uh, revealed yeah, today. I think but... Jules has nailed this. So there's a question mark on him at 2,400, and there's a bigger question mark on the barrier and the map. And that'll that'll keep the bigger guys off him until we either see evidence that you want to be back and running on, which I doubt you'll see, and um, or so, someone massive trust that the, the saying in these ho- this horse's numbers that say twenty four hundred is a big positive, which I don't see either. So what are you predicting with this market then, Jules? I think right, you are, and he's a shocker. Get a lot closer in the market together. I think there's pretty okay. good support for he's a shocker. So uh, right, you are this morning to suggest. You know, he's been up for a really long time, but they sort of trust the camp there with him. Um, that they can continue to go to the well and deliver. So I think they probably get a little bit closer than what they are right now, sort of three ninety versus six dollars. I think that tightens up. I think Val and Declare there could be sort of some tightening there. I'm sort of trying to actively lay them and 
Um, I am being able to do that at the moment. So at some stage, I'm probably going to have to stop the bleeding there uh, at a certain point. And there's sort of just a few other middle pinners they're mucking around with. Like, so suggest that he's a shocker does have to soften in the market. Horses like, I mean, I can't have it, but a horse like Benno, there's a bit of support there. Uh, horses like Swords Drawn, a little bit of support there. And even Port Phillip with Celine Gordray, who I will say is the bigger punters now are really honing in on this rider who's obviously got those big numbers at the moment in the last week or two and I know can't claim here at the moment, but they're into their big algorithms and database. She'd be spitting out some pretty cool stuff for them at the moment, I think. Confidence is a beautiful thing, and that's what Celine's got at the moment. She is riding quite the wave, and it is great to see, Dicko. What about Jigsaw? You were confident. I'll go to Jules here first with Jigsaw. Dicko was thinking that this horse might start closer to $2 and $3. Jules, how do you assess the Ariba and this favourite? Yeah, it's a really interesting race because from a market perspective, there's no one, there's no real horse they want to back sort of the middle pinner. So you go, okay, they haven't, I mean, I will say not an option. If you can get $11, $12, that seems to be a bit too big at the moment. I think it probably starts single figures. And I know I think it might've won this race last year at a big price with, uh, less weight, but um, it seems to have tightened up. But, you know, there's current sort of not really hard in the market. She's all class looks to be a gap in the market. I think you probably get a better price about it if you like it. Um, bless her. That's a horse that's going to get bigger than the $11, $12. Turk Warrior, I think it probably found the floor as well. It's seven seven fifty, so it's going to probably get big. So what I'm suggesting here is all these middle pinners, I can't really see a massive push for. So, yeah, 250 260 jigsaw at the moment. Will it get close to even money? I don't think so, but I don't think you're going to get $3 plus or anything like that. But this is a really tricky one because I don't think there's been much movement at the moment. Dicko, you might see it a little bit different to me. Um, but from a market perspective, they just don't seem to have come for really anything at all. The, the only thing they've half-nibbled is not an option. Um, I think current is a wait and watch job track pattern. And if it is sort of on pace, that's what I think will be the final straw for a bit of a collapse on the jigsaw price. I think she's the map horse is the form horse. Um, you know, she's a astute trainer. This horse is pretty consistent um, versus a couple that aren't. I, I'm staggered that the price, like, and I'm going to lay it the seven Turk warrior or is small Toka um, from Tassie. One of the great riders, Toka. Yeah. No data at Mornington I could find, but, um, yeah, I'll be against it, but geez, it's tight. He it's might, short enough, but I might, think it's going to soften big time, Jules. He might cause. Will, will the Tasmanian horse cause the favourite something like a maybe a few problems up front in the early part here, Jules? Uh, Jigsaw's pretty quick, to be honest, and I, and I'm always I love speed horses that draw wide because they can have their get their time to get to wherever they want to do. Because if this horse draws one, for some reason there's some outside pressure, then you have to continue to hunt up, hunt up, hunt up. And especially at a place like Mornington, it can get become just a little bit tricky. But gate nine, you can just sort of float over, control how you want, as fast as you want to go. There might be horses to the inside, but that's okay. Um, so I like the wide draw from Jigsaw because I think this allows... Daniel Moore to do whatever irrelevant of what the other horses are doing. So if yeah. Turk Warrior wants to kick up and sit, you know, then I think Daniel Moore can just sit a neck behind it or a half a length behind it and just uh, to the outside of it. So I don't think there's any issue there. I think the gate's a big plus for Jigsaw. 
And I think the the speed helps the better horse. Yeah. So the market's telling you this is the best horse in the race. And if this Tasmanian horse puts some tempo into the race, it'll expose everything to a level that we've seen Jigsaw deliver at. And some of these, most of these, we've seen them fail at. Bear, our Tasmanian form expert, Bear Robertson, says Turk won't have enough speed to go with Jigsaw. So um, we'll back in Bear there. So that's good news if you like Jigsaw. What about in the guineas? You've got Dashing that has had a little bit of support. Dicko, what have you made of the guineas with this market? There's been a few scratchings here. Um, we can take out Lord Turnberry and also Lightning Flash, the 10 and 11 from the guineas today at Mornington. There's a little push, I thought, Jules, for dashing early on, and it's just sort of leveled right back out again this morning. Um, I reckon this race is wide open and no one really knows what to do. Grand Piero is a horse that was enormous at Flemington, but then it's obviously had a setback, which I think the market will spit out. Um, if it was three, three weeks between runs, it'd be one they all came for. Um, Waltz on by was enormous last start. That form, that race we think is going to stand up. Um, I, I don't think it gets past $4. Like it'll start with a four in front of it. Um, I think lethal thoughts is the weakness in this market. And, uh, and potentially Elkington Road, but I certainly won't be, it won't be a big price at Baggy. Yeah, this is an interesting race because I sort of looking at this and I think, I think dashing probably starts with a two in front of it. And I know you can sort of say, oh, there might be half a hole in it. But I think just that form line of the Gringotts Loco versus the other form lines that we see might be the one that the bigger guys really love. Big gap back to fourth, Linda Meach, no knock. Yeah, I think it starts with a two in front dashing. I think you're right. Lethal Thoughts is the hole. I mean, $485 is just not going to start anywhere near that. It could actually start closer to double figures from what I can see at the moment, the way this market's trending. So if you like lethal thoughts, I'd be holding off. Bit of support around for King Samuel Dicko. So it's one that sort of tightened up throughout yesterday and, and continues this morning. So that's a positive sign if you like, if anyone likes that horse. Um, I think it, it's sort of going to hold its price. I don't think you're going to get any better than that $13-$12. You're right, Elkington Road looks like it's soft, but you know, I, I don't want to be actively laying it. It's sort of Grand Piero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, Grand Piero, you're right. I mean, I think it starts double figures. Even with Willow going on, I think it's the soft one. Uh, and as you said, probably had the, the issue. Um, and second up to, like, against some really hard fit horses here, uh, suggests that, you know, if you like Grand Piero, just wait because you're going to get a better price. But I think dashing starts with the two in front. Jules, any other runners that really take your fancy regarding the market or interest you at Mornington today? Yeah, I think there's one in particular that's, I reckon, really interesting at Mornington from a market perspective, and that's in race three called Ramveer. So it's had 500-plus days off. It's been gelded. It's obviously trialled the house down, but I'm just going to be really interested to see what this market does, especially at the death. So it's around that $3, really popular. I think a lot of people that watch the trials are really keen on this horse, but... I know personally I'm keen to actively lay it. Um, and I think it's going to get a little bit soft in the market, but I'm just going to be really interested in what happens the last five minutes just to see what they do with the, these bigger guys, what they do with a horse that's had such a long time off, but obviously got plenty of ability being gelded, which we sort of love as well as a form profile. Um, what happens in that last five minutes? It will be fascinating. Dicko, what about you? Yeah, that is interesting because it's a local trainer. Which yes, they love yeah. the narrative, but uh, Mickey, they struggle. And don't, I'm not, I'm not attacking him personally, Gareth, and everyone listening. Just saying, he goes at eight and a half percent strike rate and very thirty six percent negative return on investment at Mornington. So, 
I reckon Jules is on the money and they'll they'll drift. I don't want to lay it though. I'm not as brave as Jules. I like a horse in race one, and I'm and the seems no one else does. Jules, the two, Ron Val Amber, I really like the trial. Um, I think it might start closer to ten dollars though. The way this is going, they seem to just want neutralism. The five and long lost friend. The four. Yeah, and I think we talk about that a little bit with the punters out there, Dicko, is that if, if your first starter has trialled really well and jumped out really well and you trust it and you think that's going to run really well, don't be worried about the drift because we know these bigger guys have just got no data on it, so they're not going to back it. So, And if they half-like horses that are, you know, got some race form, then they're going to they're gonna push into them. So um, don't ever be worried about the drift on first starters in these kinds of races because... Uh, as I say, the bigger guys aren't going to play them because they've got no uh, no data on Which I think is a really good lesson for anyone out there. It's a really good opportunity to like hone your craft and trust your eye because you, you have got a bit of an edge versus the people that just rely on bulk data. Uh, and I really, I think that the way I handle it is I, I would sort of half stake now and just half stake SP. So have something on when you find the horse on a Thursday or a Wednesday night. So you've got something on in case it steams, but have another half to have on should it drift. Now, at Hawkesbury, it's going to be an interesting meeting there because we're on a soft five, but the sun is shining in Hawkesbury. We're on a, uh, the rails and the true. So I think we should get a good day's racing there. It was a little bit scary midweek with the rain predicted, but the bomb has worked in our favour um, because they've got it wrong this time around as well. So the sun is shining we're on a soft five. The Hawkesbury Cup's an interesting race, Group 3 event, and Floating Arthur's Jewels, second up. It was really good first up, but that was off a, a long layoff. It's second up now, and it's had some good backing in the Hawkesbury Cup for Eustace and Mar. And David Eustace made Floating Arthur's his best bet for the for the weekend for the stable. Yes, that's a positive push from the, from the camp, which you obviously want. Um, it was outstanding first up. There's no doubting that. Again, this is a horse that I think might have had just close to 500 days or more off as well. So a long, long let off. Um, I think it's going to get soft in the market and people will be going, okay, well, why do you say that? Because third, fourth, fifth pick have all been really solid. So good support for new mandate with James McDonald. Um, That's solid as a rock. I don't think $6 last. Horses like Jojo was a man. Good support there. Good support for Lord Ardmore. It's holding its price. Uh, and then nibbles for sort of other horses at bigger prices, even a horse like Dynasties. But I think it probably softens and gets back out to sort of its original price. So why I'm saying that is what that means is the market has to go somewhere. So those percentages, I can't see those horses I've mentioned drifting back out. And when these percentages come down, something has to drift. And something usually has to drift at the top end of the market. And I think that's going to be floating artists. That's not to say this horse can't win. Absolutely not. It's just saying, again, if you like floating artists, I think you're going to get better than the current price, so hold off. Dicko, quick it might, opinion It might here. start with a 10. Like, it might start double figures, this horse, honest to God. And the stable, like, is very, very keen. Like, very, very keen. So You're talking two, floating the, the, artist. Yeah, the big lesson in this is that the stable doesn't really know and the market doesn't care what the stable mm. thinks. That's All what right, I'm taking man. out of this. It, I, I think the horse is airborne. It was a huge b- return. But the, the experienced people out there are worried about that horse backing up that performance second up off a long break. So I think the market spits it out. I think it can win. I'm with it. Um, but again, I'll just be waiting and waiting and okay. waiting because you're going to get a big price. It surely starts with a five in front of it at least, Jules. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think it's um, quite brave to think it might be double figures. I think you might have been just having adding a little bit there for the, yeah. the narrative, mate. But I get, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think I think it definitely is going to get soft in the market. Um, so, And I think there'll be plenty of people that re- exactly like you, they really 
liked the first up run. I mean, this horse is, you know, had a fantastic spring probably a couple of years ago. Now he's a good racehorse. So getting back to that, he'd be winning this. So again, don't be worried about the drift because um, if you like it, you're going to get a better price at the death. Let's have a look at the crown because this is at Hawkesbury, of course, the gold crown. And Princess Grace is an interesting horse here, Jules, because this is a former American galloper with Chris Waller. Um, I don't know what price she should be. She's second up. Um, I think she's one of the most fascinating runners all day. No doubt. Um, Not only do I not know what price she should be, I don't know what price she'll end up either. Usually you can get a pretty good feel of how these markets are moving. You know, it's been 9.36 now, so... Yeah, usually we get some type of field deco, but there's just not a lot of action sort of happening in this race at all. A few of these horses that were sort of put up really short on Wednesday have just sort of been spat out. I mean, Never Talk got put up sort of $4.85, and now you're going to get double that, you know, and it's only two days later. So I can't get a real guide on what's happening here with this market. I mean, Tycoon Evie's a horse that's sort of been supported. I don't know enough about Hawkesbury Dicko. You could probably shed a little bit more light. But gate one, is that a trick at Hawkesbury that's not ideal? I mean, I'm just seeing a couple of these horses being backed in this race. They're sort of backing wider barriers. I'm trying to find a bit of a pattern here. Um, I'm not too sure. But yeah, gate one with that favourite might have real impact because we're going to see seven races before it or six races before it. Uh, and maybe that shows a pattern that gate one's either a positive or a negative, but I don't have any prior knowledge of that right now. Oh, I always find this a bit tricky because so we, we have our own data for everything, all the tracks, and we think it's going to slightly favour on pace horses today, but I think yeah. the narrative is going to be pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Like that data is off like, you know, maidens and country mm-hmm. horses, whereas today yeah. we've got good horses there. So it's it's hard to trust I think the market wants to see evidence that they, they can win from rails in run. It's hard to map this horse because it's a Waller horse first up, but it's an inside barrier. So normally a Waller horse inside barrier for second or third up, it's going to go forward. Um, it is fascinating, this race, from a market point of view. This is sort of race where when you're sick, I guess like Jules and I, you don't really need to do anything other than just watch the market, and it's pretty entertaining. There's been a few that have been well-backed. I know these fluctuations can be a little bit, um, deceptive in a way because the fortune teller and David Eustace indicated this to us on Thursday that he was likely to come out and he was the market leader at that time. So he's a scratching and uh, he comes out of the market. So it looks like a few of these horses have been well supported, but the market's just readjusting to the scratching of the favorite Dicko. So this morning, who are they backing in the guineas? Rosetta. Yeah. Rosetta. Rosetta, Rosetta. Um, now, Mickey Gannon's all over this horse. Is it Chrissy Lee's? Yeah, Chrissy Lee's and D. Gibbons. Chrissy Lee's. Uh, they sort of think Hawkesbury is almost Chrissy Lee's territory. Um, Gay Waterhouse is elite at Hawkesbury. Um, I think that'll factor in a little bit, but I think the market's just going to keep coming towards Rosetta. Dylan mm. Gibbons, popular, informed rider. Chrissy Lee's. Um, starts with a three in front, it's my prediction. Do you agree, yeah, Jules? Yeah, I think it goes right. I think there's, I mean, at some joints, I think Hawaii Five O actually is the favourite ahead of Rosita. I think that no doubt flips, and I think probably a little bit of separation between them as well, um, from what I can see. I, I'll say Cote. I don't know if that's the way you say it up the yeah, top that's there. It. Um, it's pretty solid as well. So it sort of suggests there's probably going to be the hole, and the hole's probably Hawaii Five O. So if you like it, you'll get a better price. But Cote and 
and in particular Rosita, as Dico has mentioned, they're the two that seem to, um, since scratchings, uh, have really um, firmed right up. And you made a point at the start of this when we spoke about this race, um, Gaz. Punters can really get tricked by that. So a sure price favourite comes out and they just quickly look at their opening yeah. fluck and then the fluck that they see right now and they go, oh, this horse is firmed in because they're just particularly looking at one horse. If you actually looked at every horse, you'll see they're all firming in theoretically, but they're not. So just, it's a little, it's just a little thing for punters that don't punt a lot and they're punting off the apps and they see the open versus what they see right now and they want to see some market support. Got to dig a little bit deeper because it's not necessarily the market support. It's just those horses at the top end have come out. Do some organisations say horses firming and it's not really? to trick the punters? Oh, mate, you can't answer that. I don't know. I, I just, I just no wonder comment. some... No, but sometimes they say this horse is firmed in, but the, 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 the traders are still taking it on, if you know what I mean. Uh, How about uh, I say uh, this? You if I thought about that on didn't the happen, I'd say it doesn't happen, but I'm going to say no comment. Okay. No, are you saying that pe- like people on air are saying this? Yes. Yeah, I think, I think we need to be really careful with... Um, Trust who you are listening to on air. Yep. I'll put it that way. All right, then. So, so, um, so some say this horse has been clearly the best back, but we continue to drift it. Um, yeah, so that's that's a complete... Um, so what happens there is that that's, that's a volume of money. So they're just looking at the volume of money. Now, that doesn't particularly help a punter out there. No. So on the books, they might be looking at the book of a particular brand, and they're saying, oh, well, we're laying this, you know, because there's high volume of it, high volume, but it's not good money. So it's high volume, but it's still two eighty out to four dollars. Now, in a perfect world, the person talking should not be talking anything about that that's a high volume or that's been really well back. Because it hasn't it's it's yes, it's high volume, but it hasn't been well backed. It's it's two eighty out to four dollars. It's yeah, it's well. a complete drifter. It's no good. So you want to push them back the other way, but you need to have education and the people that are talking need to be educated on that. Yes. So what I will say to the punters out there is you've got to have some trust that the person actually knows what they're doing. When you're watching TV and they say, we've had a big bet, we've had 10,000 on this horse, that's from a losing punter. So if Jules made an account with me and tried to have 10,000 on anything, I'd say, sorry, mate, no. I'm going to bet you to the minimum bet laws because you're a sharp punter and I don't want your money. If if Gareth Hall made an account and tries to back two Simon Miller runners at Ascot, <laughs> no, buddy, you can get on for the minimum bet laws. That's okay. all you're having. Right, so when someone says we've taken a huge bet on this, that's from a losing punter. Interesting. I think we're learning something every day here on the opening bell on winners. So the Gold Rush is an interesting race here, Jules. You've got Melkovich that's first up, gelded just like his stable mate overpass was the other day, and he won a quokka. Can Melkovich win a Gold Rush, or will the Blue Army come to the fore here? Uh, Malkovich is solid enough, so you want to see some support first up. I'm not suggesting he's going to be a big snow in or anything like that, but he's not heavily soft, so that's a positive for a horse first up with that gait. You'd think probably roll somewhat forward. Um, if you like Andermatt, I think you're going to get something with a three in front of it. So it sort of sits around 270, 280 out there most in the marketplace. Just from what I can see, I think you're going to get better than that at some stage in betting. A Celeric might be the one that just continues to firm up. And I know you look at the early price and it was $6 and now it's sort of out to $7.50. But just that $7.50 really rock solid this morning. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about it so many times, there's sort of two markets within one market on a Saturday. What happens Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? 
and then into the Saturday sort of 9am, especially in New South Wales, um, you get a better guide. Look, exactly. I think exactly. You, yeah, I think you get a better price and a mat. Um, I think a horse like Juan Diva probably starts clear single figures. So if you can get ten dollars out there, which is probably available at a couple of places, I'd be snapping that up if you want to beat the SP. If people play that way, that's the point I was going to make. Juan Diva has been well backed, like sixteens in the ten since nine a.m. Um, and it's the same story as Athelric. It started eights, went right out, but then now the big boys are allowed to step in. They have. And they've said, no, 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 it's not a $16 chance. It's closer to a $9 chance. So that intent from the big boys will filter down now through to the smaller guys who will follow that lead, and it probably starts $8. What about Dicko, this terrific race, the McDippen Plate for the three-year-olds at Doombin this afternoon? It's a fascinating betting race. And Chinny Boom, this boom galloper from Rockhampton, um, is the market leader at the moment anyway. How do you think this market will play out? Will they come for this popular galloper from Rockhampton? I I think they will, but I don't have a, a, a huge amount of confidence in reading this race or this market. Uh, I, I think Doombin's a track where a pattern will like sort of show itself, rails out three metres. There's a fair bit of data on that position, obviously, but I think it still can evolve through a meeting. Uh, we've got a good four, so you'd lean to on pace, but uh, I think they'll just sort of figure it out and adjust it. Jules? Yeah, it's a really tricky market to work out. What I will say is that um, there's no real big hole in Chinny Boom. So I don't think it's, you know, going to be a, a savage drifter. I think Golden Boom has got a crack in it. So if you like Golden Boom, I'll be holding off. I think you'll get a better price. And there's just two horses that I'm really interested, sort of top and tail, to be honest. Swiss Exile, bit of support there suggests it's going to run really well. So if you like a horse at double figures, I think $16, $17 might be a spoil come race time. And the one down the bottom, Ring of Steel, it's the other one that um, has had some good support as well, sort of big double figures now, sort of into some single figures out, uh, uh, at certain places. So there's enough support around the favourite, but I still think it's solid enough. But there's enough gaps in horses like Golden Boom uh, that you'll see it, uh, it drift. All right, then, Jules, what are they doing with Ayrton today in the city of Adelaide Handicap? He's a fascinating horse, isn't he? Um, <laughs> JJ's yeah. been on the phone to me and going... What do I do with him? Is he gone? Is he not gone? What I will say is this. The market, irrelevant whether they think he's gone or not gone, just loves him. So, I, you know, he is always well supported. I was hard against him at his last start uh, in Melbourne. I didn't think he, he could... I got him nowhere near what the market did, but the market still wanted to gravitate somewhat towards him. No doubt he's not showing anywhere near the numbers that he's done in the past. He is pretty solid again so this is an opportunity if you think Ayrton is past his best and he's not ever going to get back to it then there is some real good value in these horses outside of that horses like Saskatoon um, you know uh, Chicago Storm bit of support there uh, Michael Leifer uh, those kinds of horses you might get great value because there's so much percentage put into Ayrton and it looks like that will continue to happen I mean he's really rock solid around sort of four dollars $24.40. Um, yeah. So this is this is one where you, you have to trust your own belief on a horse here and the market probably not going to give you a great guide because the market is always going to find Ayrton at the moment. At some stage, I'll eventually give up on him if he continues to fail. But, um, you know, he may not race too much longer if he continues to fail as well. But the market just always gravita gravitates towards Ayrton, which can sometimes be 
a real big opportunity for punters in the yeah, race. Which chat. I think is a full credit to the to the stable because they keep putting this horse in a race where I'm the I'm in the same position as Jules. I don't like the horse. I don't trust the horse, but they keep putting it in a race where you think, mm, God, what's it got to beat here? Not much. Yes, and Michael Kent Jr. said it is D-Day for him, but he hasn't had much luck throughout his career, so I wish Ayrton the best of luck. Just quickly, boys, we've got about a minute left. Time flies when you're having fun. In the boat, plenty of money for Uncle Lindsay's horse third up, Dicko. In the Irwin Stakes, race nine. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's going to start with a two in front of it. I think the damage has sort of been done okay. by the look of it. But it's um, it's that horse that's just going to put itself bang on the speed and be very hard to catch. Um, I think it's a I think it's an 1,100-meter horse. They tried to put it out over a trip a little bit back, and I think that sort of set it back a prep or two. Um, but Kalos is airborne. And I think it'll start with a three in front of as well. They're the two that'll clear right, out then. from the rest. Jules, do you have any opinion about any of these other races in Adelaide? And what's your best bet and your best lay of the day? No, no real opinion sort of on yep. those other races in Adelaide. They're tricky races. I'm keen race six, Mornington dashing. Um, I think it's got the best form line. I think you can sit on the first four or five and I think it can be winning. And I'm sort of happy to be against horses like Ranveer at Mornington. I know it's first up and trialled supposedly like a bomb, but... I'll take that on off such a long break. And probably the other one is Al Redonte as well, who's first up as well, not off such a long break as the other horse. But Ranveer and Al Redonte I'm against, and I'm with Dashing. Righto. Uh, Al Redonte to place Jules for the next lunch. Yep. All right, then. Perfect. Beautiful. I like in race one. I'm going to hold my – I'm going to wait. But race one, the two, Ronvo and Burr. Amber for Shane Nichols. Yep. Uh, I like Al Redonte and Jigsaw. All right, Jigsaw. Good on you, Dicko. Good on you, Jules. Thanks, Have mate. a great day, guys. There's the opening bell to kick off winners on this Saturday morning. Let's take